Did you miss it? We didn't sing the Gloria Patra or recite the Apostles' Creed all during Lent, but here in the 50 days of Easter, we have brought it back, and it goes right along with what Lindsay shared, the joy of this Easter season. It's a season of feasting. It's also a season that we have uh, settled on a sermon series, Close Encounters with Jesus. And last week, Carl, Pastor Carl kicked off our series with a masterful exposition about Jesus' power over demons, over evil. We learned about the nature of evil and Jesus' complete power over it in our world today. And you remember that he explained that Flip Wilson was only partly correct. The devil made me do it. We are also responsible like Jesus modeled in the wilderness, to flee the devil, to say in the power of the Spirit, go away, I will not follow in your footsteps. Well, today we shift gears and see Jesus later on in chapter 1 of Mark's Gospel perform a very different kind of miracle. Let's read our text this morning. My title is, I will be clean. Mark 1, 10, uh, 40 to 45. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word that reveals to us your beloved son in all of his divinity and humanity in this mysterious incarnation that allows us to know you and to be known by you and loved by you. We pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts and transform us by the reading and preaching of your word. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, when Mark says a man with leprosy came to him, that is so typical of Mark. That's his classic understatement. This isn't just a random story that Mark has selected to reveal the Messiah to his readers. It's crucial to show that Jesus is not only all-powerful, omnipotent, almighty, but he's full of compassion. Leprosy was a horrible, dreaded disease in the first century. Lindsay read to us from Leviticus 13. You really need to read the whole chapter because they need a lot of text to explain how to 
keep this disease from spreading and taking over a community. But a leper would have had to go outside of the camp and never come in contact with another human being again. James Edwards summarizes, lepers were victims far more of the disease itself. The disease robbed them of their health, and the sentence imposed on them as a consequence robbed them of their name, their occupation, their habits, their family, their fellowship, and their worshiping community. In first century Judaism, the rabbis spoke of lepers as the living dead. They would quote Numbers 12, verse 12. And they believed that leprosy was an incurable disease. And they taught the people that, that uh, curing or cleansing a leper was as, in, in, as impressive a miracle as raising the dead. Here is an artist's rendition of what a leper might have looked like in that first century. But juxtaposed with the leper is the Son of God, full of compassion, who when he sees this man, says, I will be clean. It's not a healing. Healing is not even used in this passage. The word clean or cleansed is used four times in five verses. It's the Greek word katharizo. We get the English word cathartic. Imagine the cathartic experience of this leper when Jesus touches him and makes him clean. You see the understatement? This leper had heard about Jesus and was desperate, desperate to escape his isolation of a lifetime and to find the Messiah that he had heard about. But he knew to do that he would be breaking the law of Moses and putting his community in jeopardy. It was a good law put in place to protect the people of God. But it was a horrible life sentence for the leper. Edwards says again, this leper's approach compromises Jesus' ritual cleanliness. Nevertheless, the leper risks everything, breaking both law and custom, on the chance of being healed and restored by Jesus. No obstacle, not even the decrees of the Torah itself, prevents him from coming to Jesus. With Jesus, compassion replaces contempt. Jesus does the opposite of what every other rabbi would do in the first century, which would be to turn and flee. Instead, he is draws close and touches the leper. And unlike every human who would touch a leper, the leprosy does not affect Jesus. Instead, the touch of Jesus transmits the cleansing power of God. And the leper is immediately cleansed. What should never have happened, a close encounter with Jesus, Jesus not only allows to happen, but he cleanses this man. And so it's confusing, though, because immediately, that's Mark's favorite word, 
Jesus strongly warns the leper not to do anything until he's seen the priest, and he sends him away. Now, these words that uh, Mark chooses to describe what happened in this encounter are powerful words in Greek. The word for strong warning literally means, in Greek, to snort the way a horse would flare its nostrils. It is channels that the Old Testament Hebrew word for the anger of God. It's only used one other time in Mark where the 12 disciples strongly warn the woman who had wasted money by anointing Jesus and his body for burial in Mark 14. So why would Jesus be angered at the leper after we just saw him filled with compassion? And then we add to the puzzle because the verb in the sentence is ekbalo. It means to throw out or cast out. It's the same verb used to describe the action of the Holy Spirit with Jesus in Mark 1.12 when he casts him out into the wilderness. And it's the same word used when Jesus casts out demons. It's a powerful word. So there's similarities here that Mark wants us to see between a demon-possessed man and a man with leprosy. When Jesus cleanses this man, he shakes with anger and casts the leper away, demanding that he tell no one what has happened until he has seen a priest. But this still confuses us because if he had done an exorcism, you can see how he might have shaken with anger at the demonic which has so disfigured the person. And Jesus often surprises us with the intensity of his emotion. But to see Jesus angry here after being full of compassion is to realize that Jesus' anger and determination is always against the powers that hold creation and its creatures in their evil thrall. These powers are expressed in lots of different ways. The demon-possessed person is only the most obvious, but here, leprosy is clearly an evil curse that lands on this man and on so many others throughout history. So Jesus commands the leper to be silent. He's committed to keeping his messianic identity quiet for now, and he knows that if the leper goes around talking about his cleansing, it would be as if someone rose from the dead, and would it would be impossible for Jesus to continue his mission of preaching the kingdom of God and of demonstrating its power in people's lives. Jesus also wants to uphold the Torah, the law of Moses. But he knows that not, this isn't just a wooden obedience to the law. It is for this man's healing in a different way. He needs that priest to pronounce him ritually clean so he can re-enter society, have fellowship in the synagogue, and end his isolation. We're not told if the man went to a priest, but Mark ends the encounter by telling us that the cleansed leper completely ignores Jesus' strong command and goes out and tells the news freely. And so it's so ironic, isn't it? Jesus has relieved the leper of his 
incredible burden, and he has taken it on to himself. Jesus can no longer, Mark tells us, go into the town openly, but must stay outside in the lonely places. That's where lepers stay. They have traded places. It's a total reversal. The realities of the leper's life and the life of Jesus are switched within a few short verses. Jesus is now unable to enter a village. But people need to be healed. And so they come out to him. They find him wherever he goes. And you can read that as Mark shifts to chapter 2. Whether people understood Jesus as prophet, king, messiah, teacher, or rabble-rouser, the crowds made the powers that be very nervous indeed. Now, no one, at least in my reading, has come up with a perfect way to explain this, what's called the messianic secret in Mark's gospel. But Jesus wants to temper enthusiasm, certainly, about his own identity as the Holy One until he can accomplish his complete mission, which does not end until he is dead, crucified on a cross, and has been raised from the dead, and ascends to his Father and sends the Holy Spirit. That mission is so crucial, and it helps us explain why Jesus says, don't tell anyone. But let's not miss another clue that Mark gives us. Notice. There's an if clause in verse 40 of our text. Let's go back to it. If you are willing. And this word if in Greek suggests that the condition that is set up is very likely to be true. You could translate it just as easily as since you are willing. And the verb is best translated by wish or choose. The leper says something like this, if if you were to translate it with this understanding. If you want to, and you do want to, you are able to cleanse me. And Jesus confirms his willingness with a simple, I am willing, I will. This is central to understanding and unlocking the meaning of this close encounter. And here's why. At this still early point in Mark, we are learning about Jesus and what discipleship as one of Jesus' followers looks like. Mark has shown us a Jesus that is able and willing to heal people no matter how bad their condition. And these first miracles in Mark's gospel are signs that the kingdom of God has come in power. And it shows what it means that the kingdom of God is in our midst. It's a restoration of human flourishing, of human thriving. Humankind in the kingdom of God will no longer be oppressed by the powers of evil. So Jesus has to encounter evil and defeat it in these early miracles. And he insists that it is his calling to destroy all powers that are hostile to God's rightful reign as king. Jesus' words and his actions are all of one piece. 
He has come to announce his kingdom and to demonstrate that in his kingdom, evil forces that cause demonic possession and horrible diseases like leprosy are banished and they will be banished forever. Jesus always goes to wherever people who need the power of the kingdom are. By the end of his story, he shows, we're seeing, we see what the cost is that he is willing to pay. He starts out as one free to wander, urgent in his message and gathering great crowds of people. But by the end of this brief story, he has traded places with this former leper who ironically is wandering freely, proclaiming the good news of what the Lord has done for him and creating a widespread positive response so that crowds flock to Jesus in the wilderness, literally the lonely places. This all is a foreshadowing of what Jesus is willing to do for humanity, willing to give up his life of freedom for the loneliness of the one on the cross, outside the camp, outside the city of Jerusalem, on Golgotha. Jesus willingly takes on our leprosy, our sin, and he destroys the power of evil. All of that, Mark shows us in this very beautiful way, foreshadowing what will come later in the book. Jesus does not get contaminated by any impurity that he touches. Instead, his holiness and purity are contagious. Lepers are cleansed by him. Evil spirits are overcome. The kingdom that he, in, that he heralds is inclusive. It crosses boundaries. It restores human life. It is victorious. Philip Yancey talks about this. Oops, we got to go back. <laughs> there we go. Beginning in 1100 AD, during what are often called the Dark Ages, leprosy spread across Europe. Orders of nuns devoted to Lazarus established homes for patients, 300 in England and 2,000 in France. These nuns could do little but bind wounds and change dressings, but the homes themselves, called lazarettos, helped break the hold of the disease in Europe by limiting the transmission and improving living conditions. The disease virtually disappeared from the continent of Europe. In the 19th and 20th centuries, Christian missionaries spread across the globe to establish hospitals and clinics for leprosy patients. Dr. Paul Brand was supported by the Leprosy Mission, one of a network of Christian missions devoted to healing lepers. I've sometimes wondered why leprosy merits its own task force, he told me. I know of no malaria mission or cholera mission. Perhaps the reason traces back to the leprosy patient's starvation for human contact. Theirs is a unique and terrible privation, and Christian love and sensitivity meet it best. Well, this morning we have a, a, a wonderful treat. We are welcoming Robel de Sasa. Come on up, Robel. Uh, Robel is uh, a former colleague of mine, and I'll explain that. Uh, 
He works with Eva Sue, which is the uh, member movement of the International Fellowship of Evangelical Students in Ethiopia. And for many years, I worked for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, which is the member movement here in the United States. And we first met at the last Urbana Missionary Convention, and it was just lovely to meet him. And then he spoke to the convention, and it was such a rare treat, and it's a rare treat for us to have him here today. So thank you, Robel, for being with us today. Thank you. Um, so I, I, I'm not, uh, my words just aren't going to do this, okay, to explain the power of Jesus. But I think you might give us a clue. So tell me first, what does this encounter with a leper make you think back home in your context in Ethiopia? Thank you, Randy, for the wonderful sermon, and thank you so much for the partnership that we have. Oh, hi. Uh, yeah. So uh, this leper uh, makes me think two things. The first one uh, is I pretty much identify myself with this leper, uh, you know, having the burden of leading the 50,000 students that we are serving and also living in a country which is falling apart due to the current you know, civil war with lots of uh, you know, economic pressure. And it seemed that you know, our country uh, is, is being cast out from the world due to the mm. ethnic conflict which is uh, happening in our country. So if I meet Jesus you know, this morning, then I'll just say, uh, if you will, you can make all those things to be perfect within a second. Then it gives me a kind of hope that he will be saying to me, I will be willing to do that. So that's one of the things that I would like to reflect. And the other thing that, I, uh, that came to my mind is the transforming power of Jesus Christ because I'm serving in the college university uh, uh, students and I met with so many young people who are suffering from you know, addiction, uh, substance abuse, corruption, tribalism, and so on and so on. And each day we are witnessing the, you know, the powerful transforming uh, agent, which is the love of Christ. Mm. And we can see such kinds of transformation like the, uh, Jesus did to this leper. Mm. Yeah. That's great. Well, how do you see Jesus working through his body, the church in Ethiopia, to not only bring the word to people, but to demonstrate the power of yeah. the kingdom? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so uh, currently there is uh, a lot happening in Africa. There is a powerful, uh, there is a powerful um, uh, revival happening. Uh, in Africa and particularly in Ethiopia, you know, during the last 60 years, uh, the, the number of evangelical believers has grown tremendously from being 1% and currently it's like 20%. Mm. So during the last 60 years or 50, 60 years, uh, more than 22 million people came to Christ. And as, as a part of this macro context, you know, uh, we are serving more than 50,000 students, which makes us the fastest growing movement in the world, and also one of the largest student movements in, uh, in Africa, I mean, uh, in the world. So, uh, 
that's, that's, that's a huge development for us. And uh, you can see some of the faces that uh, we are serving, okay? Go back. <laughs> I'll, got it. I'll take it. Yeah. So, you know, you, 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 uh, in fact, this picture is a bit distant. So there are so many young people that's being formed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you just take me like 20 years ago, I was 18 years old engineering students in the campus, but I was made to lead like 500 students. Mm -hmm. So that experience has just, has just helped me to gain so many experience and so many you know, uh, exposure so that I may be developed uh, into a leader that, uh, that I'm currently now. So uh, I'm so grateful to the Lord for, for the work that uh, he's doing among us. And I would like also to thank, thank you, to say thank you for this church, for your partnership, for the project that we have with servant partners, Lori and Will. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, well, Robel, thank you for coming up here. Yes. Um, So the, your mission committee, on your behalf, made a major investment last, late last December in a project that Servant Partners, Will and Lori Neewainer's organization, is doing in partnership with Eva Sue in Ethiopia. And so with our money, our financial resources, but also with our prayers, we stand with you, brother. Well, let's close this morning with this quote from Tom Wright, if you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what it means to be human, look at Jesus. If you want to know what love is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what grief is, look at Jesus and go on looking until you're not just a spectator, but you're actually part of the drama which has him as the central character. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the power of your word. That your word is not like that of the scribes and the Pharisees, but it has authority. Authority over every evil force in the world today. Lord, we need our faith increased to see how you are at work. Here in Boulder County and to the ends of the earth. So Lord, lift our eyes to see not only your power, but your great compassion and transform us, we pray, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.